Hey there, and welcome to the Dynamics Hot Dish Podcast, serving up stories and knowledge on Dynamics 365 and the Power Platform. This is what's hot in Dynamics. You're now joining Merlin Schweiger, Liz McGlennon, and Ashley Steiner. I like your shirt, Merlin. It's very reminiscent of that yearbook photo. What? This is, this is Patagonia. This is style. It's mountains. You're just missing a wolf. Well, it's in the shape of a bison, if that helps. How is that a bison? That's way too skinny to be a bison. Oh, I thought you meant the... I see. Okay. I thought you meant just the bottom part. And I'm like, um, dude, just the mountains. Yeah. I was like, that is, uh uh-huh. I was like, Merlin, that is not what a bison looks like. I think you need to go to Wyoming. I see it now. Well, we'll just, uh, mark that one for the, uh, 2022 blonde moments segment. Okay, first we are doing different that, segments next. <laughs> I don't think that that one was that dumb though, because like, how was I supposed to know that there's like a line down the middle of the art? Is Liz, are you, Liz, are you ready? You're yeah, ready? I was like okay. looking, I saw this really cool bison picture like a few days ago on Facebook and it was like a bison in Yellowstone at like negative 35 degrees and it was just like all frosted over, like all its fur was just like all white. It was really cool. And I did, I couldn't find it. So that's what I, I have so many more. I have so many bison stories I could tell you guys growing up in Wyoming. I want to hear one. So weird. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, I'll tell you. So this one is, it's not mine. It's my dad's, but like, it's still really good. So my dad worked in Yellowstone, um, when he was in college and he would like go hiking and whatever, like on his days off. And so he was just hiking one day and was like in this ravine and was like walking by all these rocks and like couldn't figure out where he was going. So he like hiked up one of the side of the mountains, like, you know, like, cause it was a ravine, right? So there's mountains on either side, just to kind of get a gauge of like, where am I going? He was not walking through rocks. He was walking through a crowd or like a herd of like thousands of Buffalo, which is really dangerous. I don't know if anyone like, so, cause people in Yellowstone are stupid, right? They walk yeah. up and like yeah. kick the Buffalo to like stand up. They're like, Oh, and take a picture with you. Not realizing it's a wild animal and, and like, just, and they're huge. Like, well, and they can gore you, you know, they'll just yeah. swing their head. And so my dad was like, all right, so not going back down into the ravine. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Like just thousands of, of Buffalo. And he didn't realize that he just walked. I had no idea. He just thought they were rocks. And I'm like, well, they were furry. Like, how do you. Like, how yeah, far did he walk through them before he noticed? A couple miles, a while. Not a couple, but you know what I mean? Like, he saw them. They're not all like groups. Yeah. Sure. That's just. He dad. was young, though. He was in college. So just like oblivious? Well, I mean, maybe it depends on the weather, you know? Maybe it was a little bit foggy. Like, you know, there's just all these big lumps kind of around you. You're not paying any attention. Yeah, I guess I, I can see it. Notice. Yeah, but yeah. if you're like in the wilderness, wouldn't you be like paying extra attention to your surroundings? I have, I have like 500 more stories like this about my dad when he worked in Yellowstone that would totally contradict everything you just said. So this is okay. not the first or the only. <laughs> awesome. It's amazing. The- Did he ever get hurt or like getting? Oh, it's amazing. You could be yeah. so oblivious and well, not get I- into trouble. The town I grew up in, Wyoming, we have like the only uh, domesticated buffalo herd in the country. They're mothless Wyoming. So one of How the are they domesticated? For. They're in a pen. They're not wild. Oh, okay. And yeah, you can, I don't like, think... go see them. 
people aren't like bringing them into their houses and like snuggling with them on the couch. Like they're not. You that never know. No, I was picturing like a herd that could move around on its own, but we're like friendly, like a pack of domesticated. Well, I know they're friendly. I don't know. I was really young. When, but yeah, that's that's uh, one of the two things my hometown is known for is a domesticated herd of buffalo. That's cool. That's cool. That's weird. Um, maybe now we should talk about data flows. You know, yeah, while we're at it. Much less interesting, I think, than Buffalo. I'm sorry. Well, who wants to start <laughs> out talking about data flows? I think you should. Should it be me? Since you, I think, are the only one that has any hands-on experience with them. Mm, that's probably true. Well, let me start by saying they seem really cool. And sometimes they are. And also, I got very frustrated at them the other week. Um, but I'll start with what is a data flow? It is a process that's built in a power platform that lets you pull data from, I guess, mostly any other source that you want into Dataverse. Um, it uses Power Query on the front end. So it's the same thing that Customer Insights uses, the same thing that uh, Power BI uses to pull data in. So you get like that set of like 30 or 32 or something kind of generic connectors, um, which I always find sort of weird that it's like, you've got all the, the Power Automate connectors, which talk to specific applications. And then you've got like the Power Query connectors, which is a smaller subset, but they're more generic. Um, so Dataflows uses the Power Query connectors. And then you can, because it's built into Power Query, then you can go in and like do your transformations and like add columns and filter stuff out and do whatever you want kind of in the query. And then you map all your source fields into your target, which can be, you can dump them into a new table. Um, I've never done that because I feel it's most useful to dump it into a table that I've already created uh, or that exists out of the box. Um, or you can, I don't know, there's a third option. I don't remember what it's good for. Um, <laughs> and then you just go like field by field, like this field in the source goes to this field in the target and you just map out the fields and then you run it. Um, there are some caveats. Some of the fields in your destination table won't show up. Um, so things like the owner uh, or the override created on, which is one that really bugged me, um, or uh, I don't know, there are a handful of other ones um, that just don't show up because they're system fields that you can't just update directly. So you have to like, create a temporary field and you data flow into the temporary field and then you run an actual flow later, take the temporary field and write it to the actual field. So like using owner, for example, I created like a temp owner and you can do a user lookup into the temp owner field and then you run a flow later that's like, okay, like find all the records that I imported and copy temp owner into actual owner. So it seems like a lot of extra steps to have to build the data flow and a flow to get your data in. Yes. Um, yes. Oh, go ahead, Marilyn, sorry. I was gonna say like lookups in general are kind of a pain in the butt because you can't use, you can't use the native like GUID, you have to use uh, a separate primary key field that you specify. So you have to build a separate key field, identify it as a key on the table in Dataverse, and then once you identify it as a key, then you can put data into that field to run the lookup, but you can only use one field. 
So you can't be like, oh, like find an account where these three things match. It's like, no, no, you got to find the account that has this account number from the legacy system to map to my opportunity that I'm putting in. Um, so that can be a little bit weird and tricky. Uh, of course, you can only bring in active records. So if you need to like bring in historical stuff, you bring it all in as active. And again, like mark a temporary field as a status and then run a flow later to deactivate them. Um, trying to think what the other caveats are. Well, so I'm working on a project right now. I'm clearly not the one building the data flows, right? I'm working with a vendor to do that. And one of the things that we found is that like on simple things, like I know you said like, oh, the owner doesn't show up. But even when trying to bring over opportunities, like the close date didn't appear probability. I mean, like there were just some like random fields that like are not quite done yet. So, so again, it's one of those things where like, you don't know until you jump in and find it. And so then you have to like, okay, well, I can't, you, you have to find a workaround for that. Right. Do you go right. back to a different way of importing or do you, cause right now we're working on a migration. So it's not a back and forth kind of thing. It's moving data from one system to another. So we've run into some of those issues. The I guess I haven't seen any issues with date fields specifically, but like choices. Choices are another huge pain in the butt because you have to map in the actual value of the choice, not the label of the choice. So I, I just did this, like the source system has, you know, like 10 different options and they're all just text. And I've got exactly the same text in Dataverse in my choice field, but I have to map this text value equals this numeric value in the migration process so that I'm actually feeding it the numeric value to the choice field and not the text value. Because if you try to feed the text value, it'll be like, oh, sorry, this needs to be a number. Um, so why would someone choose to use a data flow over a different way, a different tool for migration? Well, the number one reason is it's available. It's free, it's there. It's in Power Platform, it's out of the box. Kingsway Soft is also free <laughs> for a one-time migration. But only uh, if you have it on prem, right? You can't. You gotta have a SQL server. Yeah, that's true. You gotta have some other infrastructure. Dataflow gives you pure cloud infrastructure, and it does have some some pretty useful features. So, like I well, said, so I you, guess that's gonna be my question, Merlin. Is I feel like we jumped in and immediately started talking about the things that it can't do, the negatives, like. What are the pos? I mean, obviously, there has to be something good about it. And then otherwise, yeah. people wouldn't be using it at all. No, that's true. Exactly. Yeah. The real, the real positives in my mind are first that it is available out of the box. It's in the platform. It's cloud based. You don't need any extra infrastructure. You don't need any extra licensing. It's just there. You can just use it. Um, another big advantage is you can use Power Query to do a lot of data transformation stuff that might otherwise be kind of a pain in the butt in some other tools. Um, and that's actually pretty convenient. Um, there are, like I said, there are some things that can be kind of annoying, like dealing with choice drop-down values is kind of annoying. Um, but the ability to like do data transformation or you know kind of pull your data in and do whatever you want with a Power Query is really nice. And the other handy thing is, as long as you bring a primary key for your source record along as well, you can refresh it a bunch of times. So like, for example, in the data migration that I just did, like not all of the users in the source system were in Dataverse, like they weren't all there. And so I basically like ran my opportunity migration twice. 
The first time I didn't map my temporary owner field. So I just brought everything in and I owned all of it. And then I ran it again with the user field mapped so that if it found the user, it would map it. And if it didn't, it would just error. And so then, you know, in that second wave, I set all the users and then I can run my flow to actually like change the, the real owner field. And now like I'm, I'm golden. And if it has happened many times in that data migration, like, oh, but I also need this field or, oh, that one doesn't look quite right. Or, oh, like with other tools, usually what you have to do is wipe out all of your data and do it again. And with the data flow, I can just refresh it, refresh it, refresh it, like make changes, republish, refresh, and it'll just update all of those same records. And that's really handy. Which is one of the things I was the most excited about because obviously we're doing this testing, right? We have everything going to our sandbox, but there's going to be a time when we need to do some like one, you know, a couple of salespeople are going to come into production, test the data. We might need to make some changes, but then we have go live training, right? So there's probably going to be like a 10 day period in there where they're still going to be entering stuff in their old CRM system, but we're going to be just doing some, you know, Q and a testing. And then we go live and we don't want to cut it off before that. So what I really liked about the data flow option was they were like, cool, we'll just, you know, we'll do the one sync into production, you know, do your testing, obviously make some adjustments if necessary, but then the day before go live, when we cut off the old system, We'll just do one more refresh because we know the data is all accurate. It's just to update everything that they've done since. Yeah. And that was a huge seller for me because the first thing that, you know, salespeople always hear is, oh gosh, I'm not going to be able to use a system. I'm, I'm going to lose data. Oh, I, there's a, a week. I remember we used to have like week cutovers where like yeah. you couldn't do anything for a week because we had to migrate the data. So it just seems a lot more seamless in that way where it's better for the end user, um, which yeah. I really I mean, for me, that was kind of like, okay, I, I could buy into this for that reason only. Yeah. Like that was, I think like the intention behind data flows, I don't actually think is data migration from legacy systems. It's right. regularly ingesting data. So the other thing you can do is you can schedule your refreshes. So like if I, every week I want to pull in, you know, new leads or whatever from my marketing platform, I build the data flow so that it's just pulling the ones that I want on a weekly basis. And then it's scheduled to run every Sunday night. And every Sunday night, it just pulls the data in for me. I wish that we're that sophisticated to need something like that. We're still trying to get everyone on one system. I mean, <laughs> but I can see for a migration how this does. I, I mean, I know that's not the intention or the purpose, but I think it does make it easier. Yeah, um, yeah. It does definitely make it a lot easier with that, with that Delta migration. Because like historically using other tools like Kingsway Soft or Scribe or whatever in the past, it's always like, okay, well now we need to figure out what changed since we did the big migration so that we can just take the Delta and just move that data. And it's always like, okay, so uh, we can trust modified on, on these records, but not on those records. So over here, we have to look at who modified it and it gets, it gets really messy. Yep. Um, the data flow does make that a lot easier. Um, however, one of my other gripes was trying to move them between environments. So data flows okay. are solution aware. You can put them in a solution and I put my data flows into a solution and then I moved my solution and there were all my data flows. I was like, great. That's wonderful. I'll go in and like edit them to like reconnect them to the production database. And, and I was unable to reconnect them to the database after I had migrated them. And I don't know if that was a specific problem to the environment I was in or specifically because I was connected to an on-prem SQL server through a data gateway. 
for whatever reason, I was unable to get them to reconnect and I actually ended up having to rebuild all of them in the production environment. It wasn't that bad. Most of my logic was in the SQL queries. Like if I'd done a whole bunch of Power Query stuff, I would have been really upset. But I was gonna say, what's the downside of having to rebuild it? Is it just that the schema and stuff isn't the same and you can't bring it over? Or is it that you truly just have to rebuild everything? I mean, in my case, because I couldn't, like I literally could not connect to the source database. I had no data. Like I couldn't proceed through the Power Query steps. So I was like, well, I guess I have to start over. But you have to rebuild everything from scratch. And like, like Merlin's point is like, if you are manually mapping like those option set fields, like it could be a massive amount of time. Right. Right. So if I'd done a bunch of transformations in Power Query, I would have ended up having to redo all of those transformations in Power Query. And I probably would have thrown my computer into the ocean because I was in Florida at the time. Oh, I was going to say the ocean's kind of far. Off that <laughs> well, I, I don't know how strong I am. Actually, I can throw really far. Um, I doubt that. Not that far. And you're right, I can't actually throw that far, but thank you. Um, I was gonna say, maybe you're one of those people that think the Great Lakes are oceans. And I was like, mm, Merlin. Um, but I, because it was an on-prem SQL server, like the, the other like super handy thing that I found about data flows is if you're connecting to a SQL source, there's just like a box where you just drop your SQL query in. And so I did all of my logic in SQL. Like I mapped all the option sets, sorry, choices, I mapped, like I did all the joins, I did all the other stuff in the SQL query. So it was just like paste, next, map the fields. And so rebuilding them was actually pretty straightforward, but. Yeah, we found the same thing. We're doing everything in a SQL and then bringing it over. Um, I don't know, I've, I found the process interesting. I mean, I've never been so, I would say detailed or in the weeds, I would say on a data migration. I kind of always just like, so like watching it happen Maybe mm -hmm. just because it's more visual and like you can actually kind of see it. I don't know. I it's been an interesting project, very different from I mean, when I was a consultant and I PM'd a data migration and like it was exactly how you said, like, all right, let's build it all up and then oh, this is not right. So let's wipe everything and then start over. And it was it's so painful. Yeah. So there there are definitely advantages. Um, I feel like one of the things I kind of miss about like using scribe for a data migration is like in scribe you can actually like daisy chain your jobs together so you can be like all right run this one after that one's done run that one after that one's done run that one and so you just like if everything has been tested and works you just click go and you walk away and six hours later you come back and all your data is moved um with the data flow migration it was like okay like i need to run them in order and then i need to go and run the flows that you know, map the, the temporary field to the real field. Like, okay, like go through my temp status field and mark all those inactive. And then another flow that's go through with the owners and set the actual owner. And another one that did like, like setting the parent account, no, the parent account on the contact. Yeah, that had to be set because the customer fields don't show up because um, they're customer fields and they're weird. Um, did the regarding fields show up? I bet they don't then. Don't know. Didn't move activities. They probably oh, don't. Okay. I'm sure that would be a nightmare. <laughs> well, I'm doing activities in mine. So I'm now I'm like, like all these questions are because I'm, I'm literally in the middle of this. So like you're spurring up all these questions that I'm going to go back and take notes. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Take notes and go back and be like, so what about this? What about this? What about this? I know I was, I felt like I was so prepared, not, not so prepared for today's conversation, but I was like, I'm literally in the middle of a project for this. And now I'm like panicking, like, oh my gosh, have we thought of everything? I mean, 
at the end of the day, though, it's still like with any data migration, it just comes down to you got to move it into a sandbox and then actually look at the data. Right. Um, and I felt like, like despite the the struggles and issues that I had with trying to get them to show up in the production environment and having to rebuild them, like at the point in which I was running it, I was like, okay, like I feel pretty confident about this. Like fields are mapped. Um, so literally I just like open up the sandbox one, open up the production one and just made sure that I mapped all the same fields the same way and then just published it in production and off it went. Um, in that particular case, as often happens, the customer, I don't think, looked that closely at the data in the sandbox environment. Do they ever? <laughs> I am. I'm not well, sure. You're I special, actually. <laughs> and don't You're not that. the typical like end user customer. If you're, if you're an end user listening to this yeah. podcast and you are ever involved in data migration and your consultant says, okay, I moved it all into your test environment, like take a look at it, please, please take a look at it and treat it as though it's really business critical data that has been moved because otherwise- Because it is business critical data. Well, that has been moved. And, and the consultant doesn't know the data. Like it's not oh. their data. So like we may look at it, like the consultant may look at it and think like, think it's fine, even if it's not. Right, like yeah, I logged in, I looked at the view. I was like, okay, like it looks like the data is here. Well, and so one, I guess like just tips and tricks on that. I mean, I could go into all sorts of like detail of like how to check that. Maybe that's a whole other podcast, but I always think of it as like the rule of like there's, hard, there's gonna be a margin of error. Like I remember like, so when we were doing like the initial testing and like, okay, pulling some numbers from the old legacy system to what's in the new and you know, it's off by, and I said, okay, we just need to decide how much is okay. Um, Cause I've been through migrations where people are like, no, this field is filled in this many times in our old system and it's only filled in this many times and it's off by like 10 they're like we have to do it again and i'm like no you've gotta you've gotta be okay with a margin of error because anytime you move data well and it might depend on the the criticality of the field too like there could be something that needs to be perfect but probably most of it doesn't yeah or just keep up your old system for a period of time. a cross reference yeah or just manually fix whatever yeah yeah so I would say so that was the the conversation I had this week with our like stakeholders was we've got to decide what our margin of error is because it's not going to be a hundred percent right yeah well and and how many times would you redo it if you wanted everything to be a hundred percent well we'd never get done right Right. (laughs) like you're constantly chasing your tail at that point because the data is changing while you're trying to catch up and get everything perfect so that you can go live but you can't because people are still using the old one and well, not only that, but then you have to like fully trust that the old system was 100% accurate to begin with, right. which it wasn't. It never is. No, so, of course like, not. <laughs> like we found out that we have duplicates for our prospects and our customers in our system that we're bringing it over from. I found that out yesterday. I was like, why, why is this just coming up? We're, we're six weeks into this and you're now telling me that we have, they work on the prospect account, but it's actually a customer. Like we have to, we have to merge that. They're like, oh, it's just hard. And I'm like, yeah, data, data integrity is really difficult. I agree, but wow. <laughs> we have to decide. Yes. But I think those are also decisions to like be made. I know this is a data flow conversation, not a data migration, but also do you do work ahead of time or after the fact? Um, mm-hmm. so you decided to do that cleanup after the fact because the merging of dynamics is ironically better than the legacy system. Hmm. I mean, I don't know why it's ironically. I feel like that's often the case. 
I feel like 98% of the time that I'm moving off of some legacy system, it's like, well, we could clean up the data in the source. I'm like, or you could just dump it all into dynamics and then do a merge there. And it's super easy. And they're like, oh yeah, that seems a lot easier than cleaning it up in the source. I think we always think our merge functionality sucks, but yeah. Compared to other systems. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't. Not that yeah. <laughs> but we like to complain about it still. Yeah. Well, okay. nothing's perfect, right? Yeah. yeah. So I'm curious, Merlin, with like your solution move issue, like if our listeners, like if they, because you said you were connecting to an on-prem source like if other people have had that problem or if that was just like a specific problem to your situation so i guess if people are listening please comment <laughs> and add comments and i think yeah like when i was trying to do the reconnect so you after you move it it gives you the option to like reconnect to a data source um i have noticed though that it's a little bit it's a little bit touchy about the data sources so like if you use so in my case like i said i'm connecting to an on-prem sql server using windows authentication and that's relevant because when I was trying to recreate my connection, it would give me basic or organizational authentication, but for some reason it didn't give me Windows unless I tried to create a connection that didn't use a gateway and then I could use Windows, but I couldn't use a gateway. It's like, I need to use both. So, so it may have just been specific to that environment, but like the Power Query like creates connections for you. Like the first time you kind of run through a data flow, you can create a new connection and you can like change its name and stuff but it won't necessarily always recognize that connection if the case is off. So like if I capitalize the first letter of the database name, but then try it again without a capital, it would create a new connection with a name that didn't have a capital letter versus did have a capital letter. And so it's case sensitive. That's so, very nuanced. <laughs> like oddly case, I also found that like, sometimes I'd be like, no, the connection that I know is there this is when I was rebuilding them all. I know that the connection is there, but I don't see it in the in the list of connections. I'm refreshing it, it's not there. I would like backspace over the, the end character and then capitalize it. And then backspace again and uncapitalize it. And then, oh, and there's my connection. I'm like, I don't know why that's changing anything, but sometimes it does. So, so how long have data flows been around for? Are they, they're newer? They're relatively new, yeah. Like, it's just, just a thing where, like, we need some more iterations of it and it'll get better. It's just not so. fully baked yet. I assume so. I'm, Is anything I'm, Microsoft released fully baked? I mean... No, the first time? No. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> so I think that, like, we're... I think in a year, this conversation will be very different. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, so. I feel like these are, like edge test cases, right? Like no developer in their right mind is going to be like, oh, I'm just going to randomly change the case on my database name to see if that affects my behavior in the application. Like that's, nobody's going to test that in QA. So nobody's going to realize that it doesn't work the way that they expect. Hmm. If you're on the product team for data flows at Microsoft and listening to this podcast, uh, I hope you're taking notes. That's awesome. So Merlin is, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead, Liz. I was going to ask if, like, for businesses that are starting a data migration or integration, trying to decide which tool to use, like, would you use data flows or recommend data flows 100% of the time? Or is there a use case or reason to use a different tool still? Um, do you have any experience with any other data migration tool is my first question. If the answer is yes, you might seriously consider using that because you'll already be comfortable with it. And if you've already got the infrastructure to support it, just use it. Like, just use it. Um, 
if you don't have any experience with anything or you don't have any infrastructure, then I would probably start at data flows and determine if there's a reason that they won't work instead of like trying to, to balance them against other tools. Like if, if you want to compare data flows to like TIBCO as is now what Scribe is or SSIS or something else, like from a feature set comparison, it's not even close. Like the other data migration platforms are going to be far, far, far and away above what data flows can do. But there's also going to be a, a pretty hefty learning curve on that. Like I myself have also in the last year or so spent some time in SSIS, which like I know about theoretically, and I'm pretty decent at like SQL Server things, but I never really used SSIS that much. And I got like, I don't know, 10 hours into it. It was just like, I have absolutely no idea what I'm doing. Like, so you're saying data flows is easier to learn. Data flows is much easier to learn and pick up. It's a lot more straightforward. So if you don't have like any other data migration tool experience, start with data flows. It'll, it will be easier and, and it'll be, you'll have some fiddly bits. Like I said, like you, okay, you want to set the owners. You got to like create a temporary field and then build a flow that moves it to the regular field, but that's all really easy to do too. It's just a couple extra steps. Hmm. So I don't know, that's, that's what I would do now as a guy who used scribe for like 10 years, although that was like five years ago, I, of course, I'm like, ah, if only I had Scribe, like I could do all of these things. But that's because I was really comfortable in that tool set. Right. Liz, do you have any other questions or thoughts? I do. I kind of want to go back to the connections piece. Like, do you, is, because I know there's fewer connectors than with Power Automate. Like, so first of all, like, why do you feel like the connectors are different? And then secondly, like, is there a scenario where you can't connect to your source data? Because, I mean, I'm assuming that there is, but have you encountered that or, or seen a limitation there? I have not seen a limitation there. So the, the difference, I feel like the best way to describe the difference is like generic versus specific. So the connectors are different because it's relying on Power Query instead of on whatever Power Automate is sitting on. The Power Automate connectors are very specific. So if I want to talk to MailChimp, I use the MailChimp connector. If I want to talk to Office, I use the Office connector. If I want to talk to this, I use this connector. The Power Query connectors are much more generic. So like there's a database, like a SQL database connector. There's a web service connector. So I could use the web service connector to talk to any web service but I'll probably need to know more about how to communicate with that web service to use that than I would to use the Power Automate like MailChimp connector. So like the MailChimp connector is gonna give me the MailChimp specific actions because MailChimp has already built it to sort of make it point and click to use their API. I could still use their API to pull data in through Power Query. I'm probably just gonna to have to know a little bit more about how to do that. If that makes sense yeah um and i have also noticed like in power automate you can't you can't just execute any sql statement that you want through an on-prem data gateway like i tried this and it told me i couldn't but i can through power query like i give it whatever query i want and it'll just execute that query and give me the data back um so in some cases the power query connectors can do a lot more 
at least especially through on-prem gateways than the, the power automate ones can. Interesting. Any like lasting thoughts, Merlin, on just data flows in general or tips and tricks, things people should know? Mm. I don't know. I feel like I kind of covered all of the all of the things that were relevant. Like I said, it's it's really easy to pick up. It's a great way to pull data into Dataverse. You can schedule it ongoing if you want to do it ongoing, or you can use it one off, like I was using it one off. Um, just keep in mind that there are some parts that are a little bit strange and might require extra steps to work around. Awesome. Well, thanks for sharing your expertise on this one today. Uh, I'd have a lot of notes now to go back to my project. <laughs> awesome. Glad to help. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks, guys. It's fun to have the band back together for this year. True. Yeah. Thanks, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Dynamics Hot Dish podcast. For additional content and previous episodes, check out our website at dynamicshotdish.com, follow us on Twitter at Dynamics Hot Dish, and subscribe to our podcast for notifications. Thanks. See you next time.